Well, welcome. Here we are. This is message number five in our series, Where to Turn. We're talking about Psalms that light the way. And so in this message, you can see in your workbooks or in your outlines, we've entitled it, Where to Turn When You Would Give Anything for Comfort. So I wonder, what does come to your mind? You know, when you think about comfort, and for me, what comes to my mind initially, when I think about just comfort, is the first time that Tracy and I were able to actually go to Hawaii. It was in 1996, and a, a dear family just said, hey, you can have our condo, and uh, we were like, wow, and, and we get there, and it's just this beautiful white sand beach, literally in the backyard of the door that you open up, and, and we're out swimming in this beautiful blue water, and I'm like chasing turtles under the water. It's just awesome, and then the most incredible thing is there was this hammock in the backyard, you know, strung between two, you know, palm trees. And, and then every night after that day's activities, after dinner as the sun is setting, we go out into that hammock, Tracy on one side and I on the other, and we just swing back and forth. And of course, Tracy was fanning me as well. No, no. It was just not a care in the world. We're just rocking back and forth gently, you know. It was just... Comfort, comfort, comfort. No difficulties, no work. You know, uh, not a care in the world, no problems. Comfort. Let me ask you a question. Is comfort merely the absence of work and trials and difficulties and pain? Or is it possible to have comfort even in the midst of all of those things? Now, don't be too quick to answer that question because let me bring you back to reality. This is reality for many of us right now. Seated here or watching on video, your boss at work continues to press you to step up your performance. I mean, he or she hasn't said it exactly, but it's clearly implied. You don't produce a little bit more, your job might be in jeopardy. So you're putting in more hours. It's taking its toll on you, your family, your spiritual life. Where do you turn for comfort? You don't have a job. You haven't had a job for nine months. What savings you do have, are it's all but depleted. And you can't turn to that friend. You can't turn to your family anymore. That resource, you can't go. Th- Where do you turn for comfort? Your spouse is just distant. Your communication is just about nil. Your love, what is love? That is like a distant memory. You wonder what your future holds. You go on in silence. And you wonder, is there comfort for me with this situation? Oh, what you'd give for just one genuine friend. I mean, every time you try, it just seems like it ends in failure. Other people, they seem to have so many caring relationships, so much family support, but for you... It seems your closest friend is loneliness. And you feel so alone. Where do you turn for comfort? Now, I'm not sure what's going on in your life right now. I could paint another 20 scenarios of reality. But I know one thing. Life, at times, can rob us of the comfort that God wants us to know and have. 
You see, the Bible says our God is, 2 Corinthians 1.3, the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, but all comfort. Some of us know God as a God who gives us once in a while comfort. Or he gives us partial comfort. The Bible says God is the God of all comfort. Is it possible to know all comfort? Where do you turn when you give anything for comfort? This morning we're going to turn to the most loved psalm in all the Bible, in all history. No scripture is more loved in all the Bible than what we're going to study this morning. And we love this psalm because this psalm is about comfort with a capital C. Psalm 23, if you're there, hopefully you are, and you see this in your Bible, it will say a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm. And I picture David when he wrote this psalm as king of Israel. He goes to his most comfortable place, his balcony, and he sits in his most comfortable chair. And you know, it's been a good day for David. He begins to think about how good God has been to him over the years. And David, he closes his eyes. His mind races back to when he was a shepherd boy in Bethlehem. And he pictures his flock, and he remembers a few of his favorite sheep, actually by name. And he remembers when they were born and how he cared for them as their shepherd. And then then it kind of hits David right between the eyes. The Lord has been his personal shepherd all along. And David, that's just like a new moment thought. And, and David takes out his pen, a scroll, and he begins to write this most profound words that maybe we have in all the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. This was the first time in all history that someone referred to God as their personal shepherd. First time. You think of what David was saying in these first five words. The Lord, that's Yahweh, the great I am, the God who is, the God of this universe. Yahweh, the Lord, is, that's present tense, not was or used to be, but is now, right now. The Lord is my, he doesn't use the plural R, but the singular my personal shepherd. Wow. <laughs> you see, it's one thing to speak of Yahweh as your king, the Holy One of Israel, the master of the universe, but your shepherd. Whoa. So let me ask you a question. Have you come to the point in your relationship with God where you speak of God as your personal present tense Shepherd, beloved, if you can do that, you know comfort. If you are not doing that, you will not know the comfort that God wants you to know. God wants you to come to this point in your relationship with him where you say, the Lord is my shepherd. And isn't this how Jesus describes himself to us? John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. You see, the shepherd of Psalm 23 is Jesus. Is Jesus your shepherd? If so, there is comfort, deep, deep comfort in that truth if you personalize it. You know, I can imagine David 
he stops after he wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. And I can see him recalling in his mind's eye how much he was like a sheep. I mean, after all, the book of Isaiah says, Isaiah 53, verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And I'm sure David thought in his mind of at least three reasons why we are like sheep. Number one, sheep are stupid. (laughs) Sheep also wander, and sheep tend to smell. Aren't you blessed this morning? And I'm sure David thought about all the stupid things he did. How he often went astray, how at times he smelled things up. I mean, you can almost hear David kind of chuckling to himself. Lord, I've just been just like my sheep. So often. And then it's as if David just is overwhelmed. He becomes awestruck at how incredible a shepherd the Lord has been to him over the years. And his mind uh, begins to wander, and David goes on, and he pens in 110 words some of the most beautiful poetry we have in all of Scripture. And actually, this entire psalm is nothing but a tribute of praise to God for his wonderful shepherding care. And David spells out in these 110 words the awesome, astounding, compelling implications of having the Lord as your shepherd. So where do we turn? When we would just turn anywhere for comfort. We would give anything for comfort. We, we should turn to Psalm 23 and, and remind ourselves that the Lord is our shepherd and then immerse ourselves in all these implications of having the Lord as our personal present shepherd. Now, let me give you a principle. All hell can be breaking loose. And believe me, I've been around so many people when all all hell is breaking loose as a pastor. But if you know the Lord is your shepherd and you understand the implications of having the Lord as your shepherd, you can know a comfort that is so deep and so profound, it's like it'd be like a baby just being rocked in its mother's arms on a stormy night. That's the kind of comfort you can know, a real, genuine comfort. One final thought about Psalm 23 before we dive into it. Psalm 23, in my opinion, is the most dangerous psalm in all the Bible. Maybe the most dangerous scripture in all the Bible. And you say, why? Because it's so familiar to us. Some Christians have allowed the familiarity of Psalm 23 to numb them or blind them to the incredible comforting facts of having the Lord as their shepherd. Some Christians, they they could quote this, but they've never thought deeply about the truth. The Lord is my shepherd. It's never gone from here to there. It's a very dangerous psalm. Because you can take it for granted. So if Psalm 23 is just kind of ho-hum to you, it's kind of my prayer that by the time we're done, you like David, you're just going to explode in praise to God for his incredible shepherding care over your life and that you will come to know Jesus afresh and anew in a way that maybe you've never known him as the shepherd of all comfort. So I want to give you six facts Six comforting facts about the Lord's shepherding care as we go through this psalm 
verse by verse. Number one, the Lord, our shepherd, he satisfies us. Now, I picture David pausing after he writes, the Lord is my shepherd, and I can see David picturing uh, the sheep that used to, uh, you know, he used to shepherd back there in Bethlehem. And David thinks, you know, to himself, you know, my sheep, they weren't in want. <laughs> they had no needs. They were totally satisfied and fulfilled. They were very contented. And I can see David saying, you know, Lord, that's how you've been with me. Having you as my shepherd, I've never been in want since I've come to know you, Lord. Oh, sure, I faced my Goliaths. I've had a father-in-law try to pin me to the wall with a spear. I faced loneliness and rejection in the wilderness. I've gone without food for a time. But Lord, because I have you as my shepherd, I've lacked nothing. And that's what he says in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And isn't that what it's like to have the Lord as your shepherd? I look back on my life. When I came to know Jesus as my shepherd, in July of 1981. I've had my times, but through it all, I have complete fulfillment in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. I'm amazed. After all these years, total satisfaction in Christ, complete fulfillment, I'm amazed. You know, John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is the world. It's the enemy. It's the devil. And if you turn to the enemy, the world, the devil, it's going to lead to destruction. But the opposite is this. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus gives you life to the full. That's the promise of eternal life as you continue to keep your eyes on Christ. Jesus says in another way in John 4, 13 to 14, everyone who drinks this water, that's the world, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let me just ask you a question. Are you looking for satisfaction outside the shepherd? You won't find it. Mick Jagger. I can't get no... Outside of Jesus, there is no satisfaction. YouTube sings, I still haven't found what I'm searching for. That's the world. Look at the world. Look at anyone who doesn't know Jesus as their shepherd. They are searching and seeking and looking. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the shepherd that will totally satisfy your life. When are you going to learn the comfort that is in me? Turn to me. Look to me. It's so comforting. What a fact about our Lord's shepherding care is he totally satisfies us. I'm so grateful. I don't have to look anywhere else for total fulfillment and satisfaction. Remember in high school when I didn't know Christ. It was like I was bouncing from one thing to the next. Sports. Find satisfaction there. Fulfillment there. Girls, sports, girls, cars, music, more girls. You know, partying. You go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. You're always looking for satisfaction. I come to know Jesus Christ. He is the only one who satisfies. 
Over these 30 plus years that I've known him, I just go deeper and deeper and deeper in him. No one satisfies like Jesus. He is the shepherd that satisfies. St. Augustine said, our hearts are searching and restless until they find their rest in thee. Only God can satisfy you. Only the shepherd, and he will satisfy you if you turn to him. Surrender your life to him. Some of you even here right now, or you're watching on video, you don't know the shepherd yet. You may be religious, but you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. He wants to satisfy you. Every longing is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus alone satisfies. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has set eternity in the hearts of human beings. Eternity is in here. You cannot fill your heart with anything else on hope for Saturday. Some of you are looking for a a spouse, a marriage. Marriage won't do it. It's just one other thing. Jesus and him alone will satisfy you. The Lord, our shepherd, satisfies us. Wow, find comfort in that. Second comforting fact about our Lord's shepherding care. The Lord, our shepherd, he rests us. He rests us. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I'm sure David thought about his sheep and how at times after a long day they needed rest, even when they were unaware of the rest they needed. And David, like a good shepherd, would lead them to green pastures. I think we have a picture of green pastures. Why green pastures? Because a good shepherd knows that his sheep will only lie down, watch this, if their belly is full. It's next to impossible to make a hungry sheep lie down. A good shepherd will lead his sheep to good green grazing, and after the sheep is eaten to their heart's content, the ruminating process begins, and the sheep naturally beds down from, for some needed shut-eye. The good shepherd is an expert. Whatever that sheep needs, the image of a green pasture is get them there so that then they will get their rest. And I can imagine David thinking about how God did the same thing for him. David was type A, always going, busy, having many irons in the fire at the same time, overcommitting himself, trying to meet deadlines. And he became unaware of how grouchy he was becoming to everyone around him. David would lose sight of the fact that his highest calling, no matter who he was and what he did, was to represent God. And then the Lord, like a good shepherd, would intervene and bring a certain person or circumstance into David's life to cause him to bed down to get that needed rest. The Lord would use whatever is needed to get David replenished so he would receive his physical rest that he so desperately needed. And isn't that what Jesus, our shepherd, he does in our lives? We press the limits, we run ourselves ragged, The gauge says, warning, 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 and we're pushing forward. And the Lord graciously intervenes through a circumstance, a person, a blessing, a crisis. The good shepherd uses whatever is appropriate for his sheep to bed down for some needed rest. See, our our testimony is very important to the Lord, and he wants us to be in tip-top shape. But we as sheep, we, we typically don't like to rest. We naturally like to abuse ourselves. But the Lord, our shepherd, he's committed to resting us. He's committed to making us so that, you know, we get the rest we need. So we can represent him. You know, dwell on that thought. Allow that thought to bring comfort to you. The Lord, our shepherd, 
He rests us. Let me give you a third comforting fact about our Lord's shepherding care. And it's this, the Lord our shepherd, he restores us. Look if you would at verse 2 and 3, the latter part of it. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. You know, I can think of David now just thinking about the many times that he would lead his sheep to quiet waters. Why quiet waters? A good shepherd would never lead his sheep to fast-flowing water because they might fall in and drown. I mean, water and wool, you know, that does not mix well. And sheep have been known to actually die of thirst along abundant, rushing water. Just staring at it. They are kind of stupid, you know. But a good shepherd, he leads his sheep to quiet waters where they can drink to their heart's content and, and, and become replenished. Isn't it wonderful, cool drink of water? And I'm sure David thought about all the places that the Lord led him. Safe places. Safe places where God divinely directed him, where he could drink and his soul would be restored. Places like Ein Gedi. This is a, a picture of Ein Gedi and uh, where I'm at in Ein Gedi. This is literally a waterfall. David could have stood here and I'm in that waterfall just praising the Lord. I was thinking about David in that moment. The water just falling down on me, and the refreshment God gives us. The Lord, our shepherd, leads us to moments like this. Or maybe Ziklag, if you know anything about Ziklag, that was a a safe place for David. Jerusalem, Bethlehem. Is it just by chance, or is it the Lord that has led you to three crosses? Is it just by chance that it's the Lord that has led you to a place like followers? A safe place. A place where the Word of God is taught verse by verse. Where you're being fed, you're being nourished. Is that just by accident? Or is it a God that loves you so much and has shepherded you in your life so you can be restored? Is that just a coincidence? Or are you going to begin seeing your life as under the care of a loving shepherd that seeks to comfort you 24-7? Hmm. Allow that thought to comfort your heart. The Lord, our shepherd, he's the greatest of all comforters. He satisfies us. He rests us. He restores us. I want you to talk about this at your tables. Of the first three facts about the Lord's shepherding care, which one brings you the most comfort? Go ahead and talk about that. Okay, we are looking at six comforting facts about our Lord's shepherding care. The Lord, our shepherd, he satisfies us, he rests us, he restores us. Let me give you the fourth fact about why the Lord is such an amazing shepherd. The Lord, our shepherd, guides us. Verse 3, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You know, I picture David here thinking about the many times he personally guided his sheep along the very steep Judean hillsides. The hillsides of Judea in this wilderness area, are scored with parallel paths moving along the contours of the hillside, just like this. I mean, there are drop-offs. It's dangerous there. Some of these paths lead to very treacherous areas. I've been to Israel numerous times. I've walked through this wilderness myself many times. On occasion, I've watched the Bedouin shepherds leading their you know, sheep and their flocks through this area. And one of the things I always noticed 
is that the shepherd always goes first. And then the sheep will single file follow the shepherd. The shepherd safely guides the sheep. I'm sure David thought about his own life. And at times when he was alone, but he could have easily just gotten on the wrong path. But God as his good shepherd was there to guide him onto a path of righteousness or it means rightness is the idea of the path. And, and this path would lead David to rich and wonderful blessings in his life. Isn't that what Jesus, our good shepherd, has done with you and me? You think about it. Look back on your life. Where would you be today without the Lord as your shepherd guiding you along these right paths? You just think, one path you could take and it would just lead you in a direction, but God has spared that from you happening. Sure, some of us, is, but then God even redeems those times when we have on our own, you know, willful choices. He redeems and he remakes and it's beautiful. It's amazing. Verse 3, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake, that is for his glory and honor. I love what John 10, 3-4 says. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow them because they know his voice. Isn't it wonderful to know this great shepherd? And he speaks to us. We hear his voice, and we follow him, and that leads us into right paths for our life, for our family, for our marriage, for at work, whatever and wherever you go. It's amazing, the shepherding care of the Lord. Find comfort in that. Fifth comforting fact about our Lord's shepherd and care. The Lord, our shepherd, he protects us. You look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David, as a shepherd, he was aware of the protection that he provided on so many occasions for his sheep. There were times at night, in particular, that you could hear the howling coyotes, bloodthirsty coyotes in the darkness or in the distance, in the near vicinity. And the sheep would have been terrified had it not been for the presence of David. Sheep are defenseless animals. But the sheep learn not to fear. Why? Because their shepherd was with them. Have you learned not to fear whatever it is you're facing right now? Why? Because the shepherd is with you. Do you say in this moment of fear, the Lord is my shepherd, and do you find comfort in that? Or are you just trying to go through life on your own? Have you become numb to the power of this psalm? Or are you waking up, the Lord is my shepherd? You know, in Bethlehem, there are these caves, and there are hundreds of them, shepherd caves. And David would have spent time in these caves. This is where, at night, you would bring the sheep into a cave like this. The shepherds would not stay out at night just underneath the stars. They would bring them, you know, the rain is coming, and there are hundreds of these kind of caves, deep caves, large caves in Bethlehem. That's just one of them. And on several occasions, David had to use his rod, which was basically a lethal club that could split the skull of a predator clean open with one blow. And he used this to protect the sheep. Skillfully, he would use this. And then a staff, which was really a crook that was used to kind of guide the sheep to safety, to lead them into a cave like that, or any way to protect them. And David, I'm sure, thought about the times he himself 
he walked through the darkest of valleys. And in those moments, he felt like he was maybe in the shadow of death. David still, he could not get over the protection of his shepherd that the Lord provided for him when David was just a teenager and he faces this nine-foot, nine-inch giant named Goliath in the Valley of Elah. And David said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The battle belongs to the Lord. The Lord, David's shepherd, protected him that day and gave him the victory. And David had to have been thinking about that when he writes this, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death and you've been with me to Israel, you've seen the valley of Elah, we've been there on the other side, the Philistines, and there's a valley in between. Some of you right now are staring at a valley in your life. And the Lord, your shepherd, is with you. He is there to protect you. That's who he is. We need to claim that. We need to believe it. We need to know it. That needs to be in our hearts. We need to come to know God as our shepherd, Jesus as our shepherd, and know his comforting protection. And isn't that what the Lord has done for us over all these years? I mean, maybe you find yourself right now walking through a dark valley. Perhaps you're facing an overwhelming personal problem a serious physical illness, a financial difficulty, a problem you don't even know the answer to, something you've not even shared with someone here. It's so personal. You know, the latest studies on the phrase shadow of death, that Hebrew phrase, says it refers to any valley of deep darkness, not just literal death. We often interpret it that way because we use this in funerals and that sort of thing, but that is not the only interpretation. It's not the best interpretation of that phrase. It means any dark moment. How often have you been in this situation? Think about your past and how the shepherd has been with you. You couldn't possibly move forward. You were stuck. You didn't know the way out. And then just in time, like a good shepherd, God was there to deliver you. There are so many stories I could tell you. So many stories. One year, years ago, I was 20, 19 years old, I was traveling through Utah. And my friend, and my friend Dave and I in his Corvette, and it was my turn to drive. It was late at night. It was cold. There was snow out. And we're just ripping you know, down the freeway. And I come to this bridge, and I see oncoming trucks, you know. And I hit this bridge, and it's black ice. And I just remember, we're going 60, 70 miles an hour. This Corvette just literally spinning in circles. I'm seeing bridge, headlights, bridge, headlights, and we're just spinning, spinning at any second. I'm just ready for a semi-truck to hit this Corvette and a million pieces of fiberglass, including my body, going everywhere. And it spins, spinning for an eternity going down that highway. And finally, we come to a stop. My heart's pounding. I remember I turned to Dave and I said, your turn to drive. <laughs> I didn't know the Lord is my shepherd then. I didn't. But even then in his grace, he was protecting me. Think about all the stories in your life when the Lord has comforted you. And this is one of the ways he shepherds us. He protects us. Amen? Sixth comforting fact about the Lord's shepherding care. The Lord our shepherd blesses us. Wow. If there's one thing David could say about his sheep, it was this. They were blessed. David's sheep had it made. The shepherd David was so good around his sheep. Those sheep were blessed, 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 blessed. 
question. Of all the blessings that you've received by having the Lord as your shepherd, can I just ask you, which one or two blessings right now are you just more, most thankful for? Do you thank the Lord for those blessings often? You should. It's amazing how good God has been to us. David thought about his own life. And he said, Lord, oh, how you have blessed me. From shepherd boy in Bethlehem to the king of Israel, as David is writing this psalm. And everything that's happened in between. You think about you, where you started to where you are now. And everything that's happened in between. Wow. God is good. He is a shepherd. And David concludes Psalm 23, and he notes three of the most precious blessings that God had provided for him as a sheep. Now, this may surprise you, but some commentators think the last two verses of Psalm 23 don't fit well with the poem. They say the image of shepherd and sheep changes and a new image of host and guest emerges in verses 5 and 6. And they really speak about the poem's discontinuity. Some even say, oh, it was added later. I completely disagree with that. I think Psalm 23 shows marvelous unity. The problem with some commentators is that they take too literal an interpretation of figurative language. Verses 5 to 6, we need to remember all the time that the Psalms are poems. This is poems. It's imagery, metaphors, and similes. It's poetry. You must remember the nature of literature when you seek to interpret Scripture. And David, I believe, in verses 5 and 6, he's using hyperbole, a deliberate exaggeration to make a point that we will never forget about the amazing shepherd God. The poem's entire purpose is to extol and magnify the magnificence of the shepherd. And this is what is happening in verses 5 and 6. So David, in these last two verses, watch this. He does what I do at times, and you do at times. You let your imagination run wild. And he launches into this marvelous description of what it's like to have God as your shepherd and you as his sheep. And he pictures the sheep, watch this, follow me, as a guest at a banquet and the shepherd as the host. Picture a sheep going to a banquet in Blackhawk. This is what he's thinking. And these final two verses provide this incredible description of three precious blessings that the Lord's sheep receive from the Lord our shepherd. I love this. It's beautiful poetry. Blessing number one is this, abundant provision. Look at you what at verse 5. You prepare, this is speaking as a sheep to the shepherd, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now watch this. When David as a king would attend a banquet, and they did all the time kings, given in his honor, there were always three customary elements always given by the host to David, the guest. A prepared table, an anointed head with oil, and a cup that was overflowing. And these three items symbolize the abundance of provision freely given by the host to the guest. And David was just saying here, Lord, you have been the most incredible shepherd 
It's like the provision I receive at a special banquet, thrown in my honor, abundant provision. Given, it's ample, it's over the top, it's crazy. And isn't that what it's like to have the Lord as our shepherd, we being his sheep? He amply provides for all of our needs. It's incredible. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs. Not all your wants, but all your needs. You look at your needs. They've been amply provided for. According to the riches of, of His glory in Christ Jesus. Wow. I like what Ephesians 1.3 says. Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Would you underline every spiritual blessing? Hey, you may not have all the houses and the cars and all the physical blessings, but God has given you as your shepherd every spiritual blessing. You are so rich in the spiritual blessings. It's incredible. Let me give you a principle. Don't look at what you don't have. Stop and look at what you do have. So many Christians need to learn this principle because the glass is half full. You just cannot be a Christian with a glass half full attitude all the time. Sometimes we get that way. Beloved, the the glass is full. (laughs) Your shepherd is blessing you and blessing you and blessing you to overflowing. Not all your wants. The Bible never promises to meet all your wants. The shepherd needs, never meets all the sheep's wants, but all their needs abundantly supplied in your life. Abundantly supplied in your life. For the last week, a young man from Venezuela has been in our home. And Venezuela right now, in this country, has turned their back on God. The average citizen has lost 20 pounds. People are starving to death in Venezuela. Most of us have to go on diets to lose weight. We are blessed, 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 blessed. You cannot live in the United States and not think you're blessed. If you live in this country, you don't think you're blessed, you have your head in the sand in a jar, and you do not see what's going on in our world. You have no clue. We are so blessed as a nation. Wow, we are blessed. Don't get your eyes on what you don't have. Look at what God has given you and praise his name and say, you are the most amazing shepherd. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Second blessing is this, continual goodness and love. Look what David says in verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. (laughs) Has God been good to us or what? I mean, goodness and love all the days? Even in the midst when we're dumb sheep and we do stupid things, sometimes sinful things, and God's goodness and love continues to pour out on us. Why? Because God is who He is. He's God. He's a good shepherd all the time. He doesn't change. Even when we're stupid sheep. And God's goodness and love and provision comes to you. You want to know why? Because you are His sheep and He loves you. And He's going to care for you no matter what. No matter what you do. No matter where you go. No matter what happens. God will never stop His shepherding, loving, caring for your life. That's who He is. We don't deserve it. Of course we don't deserve it. I can't even comprehend such love. But this is what the Bible said. This is over the top. This is what David is trying to communicate. 
Surely, goodness and love. Think about the goodness and love that God has showed you. We don't deserve it. We revel in it and we praise Him for it. Blessing number three is eternal security. And David ends by saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. What does it say? Forever. Wow. So often when I'm sharing my faith with someone, I will at times ask them, if you were to just, I know this is a terrible thought, but if you were to die in an hour, do you know with absolute 100% certainty that God would welcome you into eternity? Isn't that incredible to know the answer is yes? And this is what the Bible promises. The answer is yes. If the Lord is your shepherd, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You have eternal security. 100% assurance you're going to be with God forever in heaven. I, I can't think of a greater blessing to have than that assurance. It's amazing. Jesus said in John 10, 27 and 28, My sheep, if you are his sheep, and he is your shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. Sometimes people say, Mark, do you believe in eternal security? Absolutely. Give me a scripture right here. There's one I give you, ten others. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You are in the hand of the shepherd. If you belong to Jesus, you've given your life to him. If you're his sheep. Wow. What amazing shepherding love. He guides us, he protects us, he blesses us. Of these three final facts about the Lord's shepherding care, which one of these three gives you the most comfort? Talk about that at your tables. So where do you and I turn when we would give anything for comfort? And believe me, this series is about moments in your life that are going to hit you unexpectedly. And I pray that now you will turn to Psalm 23. And you can help someone else turn to Psalm 23 when they're in need of comfort. You remind yourself of these first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. Can we say that together? The Lord is my shepherd. You'll say that. The Lord, Yahweh, is, present tense, my personal shepherd. Wow. For, David was the first one that said that in history. Maybe you need to, for the first time in your life, start saying that in your history. Because you've been living your life without the shepherd close. And the Lord wants you to grow in your walk with him to where you begin to see him as your personal present tense shepherd. And you will dive deep into who he is. The shepherd is Jesus. And you'll understand that as you call upon that shepherd, that that shepherd says, I'm going to satisfy you. Rest you, restore you, guide you, protect you, bless you, give you abundant provision, goodness and love, eternal security. That, my fellow sheep, is comforting news. Amen? This young man, Pedro, from Venezuela, when he was 15 years old, he was in high school, and a crazy man that he'd never met before came up to him, put a gun to his head. He's probably possessed by demons. and with, He was screaming and yelling and tears were coming. from. I'm going to kill you. I hate you. And Pedro is just a 15-year-old young boy. And he thought, my life is before me and I'm going to die. And his friends walked through the door and they said, what are you doing? And the guy kind of got startled and Pedro ran. 
And his, friend, his parents said, we need to get you out of that high school to another high school. And he moved. Five year late, years later, Peter doesn't know Jesus, but the shepherd was watching him. Five years later, Pedro's a night of party and he wakes up. He, he's, he's hung over and he wakes up to his phone ringing at 5 in the morning. He's 20 years old. Hello. Is this Pedro? Yeah. Who are you? I'm Francisco. Uh, Francisco who? Do you remember about five years ago there was a guy that tried to kill you? Yeah. Why are you calling me? Pedro's heart started to pound. The guy said, I just... I want to say I'm sorry. And Peter's like, stay out of my life. I never want to hear from you. And he hung up. That day, Pedro kept thinking about someone who would call him, and he had his number. And the next day, he said he just had to call the guy. And he said, this is Pedro. Why did you call me? And he said, Pedro, I want to tell you I'm sorry. Can we please meet? Pedro said, I'll meet, but I'm bringing my friends. <laughs> And the guy says, it's not a problem. Please, bring your friends. So his friends show up, and Pedro recognized him sitting at that table. Friends, stay here, watch. Pedro walks over cautiously, and the man says, Pedro, I'm sorry. I'm no longer who I used to be. I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And God has put on my heart to ask for your forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? And the man is tearing and just crying. And Pedro said his heart began to break, and he's crying. Pedro says, yes, I will forgive you. But he said, you have to tell me about the Jesus who would lead you to ask for forgiveness. I've never heard of this before. And he said, sure, come with me to church. So Pedro went to church for the first time. And as he walked into that room, he loved the music because he had a heart for music and a gift for music. And he would stay through the worship, and then he would leave, because he didn't like the preaching. <laughs> but finally, over time, he would stay, and he surrendered his life to Christ. He said, Jesus, I am yours. I want to know that forgiveness. Well, that man, Francisco, would eventually become Pedro's pastor right now. And that man would mentor and become Pedro's greatest fan. And Pedro right now is the number one contemporary Christian singer in all of Venezuela. And he has traveled throughout Latin America. We are supporting him. He's one of our missionaries. He led worship last Sunday, if you were here. This is the shepherd. This is what he does. He not only does this in Pedro, he does this in you. You think deeply about how God, Jesus, has been the shepherd of your life. I, the Lord, am your shepherd. This is what Jesus is saying to you this morning. I am your shepherd. Let that comfort you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to not focus on what we don't have, but what we do have. If there is anyone here or anyone who is watching who has never invited Jesus to be the shepherd of their lives, 
I pray that right now in this moment, your Holy Spirit would open their eyes and their heart, and you, the shepherd, the Savior of the world, would forgive them their sins, come into their heart, transform them, give them forgiveness, peace, everlasting life, that they would know the shepherd, the shepherd who satisfies and rests and restores and guides and protects and blesses us all the way into eternity. And maybe this morning, you would just say, thank you, Jesus, for being my shepherd. Praise him this morning in your heart, and then we will wrap it up. Lord, I pray that we would go from here with a greater comfort than ever before because we will go no longer numb to this psalm or somehow distant from it, but with the psalm in our soul, knowing the Lord is our shepherd. All God's people said,